Amen. Stephanie, thank you. You can be seated this morning. You can be seated. That song that we just sang and the prayer that Stephanie just prayed is so true. Uh, we who are here today, if you're gathered here, if you're watching live, we, um, we who call ourselves Christ followers who have accepted Jesus as our Savior, those of us who are Christians, when we became Christ followers, when we accepted him, we chose to believe in him, God's Holy Spirit took up residence in our, in our lives, in us, in us. And I think that today we too often forget about the fact that we are the dwelling place of God's Holy Spirit. And when we sing that song, when we pray that prayer, when we ask for God's Spirit to lead and to move in this place, we're acknowledging that each one of us who are here have God's Holy Spirit in us. But I wonder how often we are truly, truly submitted to his Holy Spirit. I wonder how often in our lives do we activate the power of God that resides in us. I think so often we may think about this from a theological standpoint, an intellectual standpoint. We may read about it in the Bible. We may hear someone say something about it. But how often are we actually taking advantage of walking step in step with the spirit of the living God who resides in us? And today, before we dive in to this fourth part in our series did God say that? I, I want you to do something with me this morning. I want you to consider one thing this morning before we dive in. I want you to consider that there might be a small part, might be a medium part, might be the whole part of your life that is not yet submitted to God's Holy Spirit, which resides in you. Just consider the possibility that there's a part of you that hasn't fully given over that part of your life to God's Holy Spirit? And would you be open to the possibility of turning that piece of yourself over to him? It's easy for those of you who are here today, and you, you may be far from God. You're like, oh yeah, the answer to that question is yes. Huge possibility. But for some of you who have been a Christ follower for weeks, months, years, decades, it might be a little bit harder to say, yeah, I'm open to the possibility that there's a part of me that I haven't submitted to him. Consider that there might be a piece of you you haven't submitted to him. And before we dive in today, let's pray and let's ask God's Holy Spirit to lead and to guide us this morning. God, I thank you that as Stephanie just prayed and gave you thanks for already that when you left this place, when, when your son came to this world and died on the cross and rose again three days later, that you didn't leave us alone. And in fact, you were so concerned about us that you took up residency in the lives and in the bodies of those people who would accept your son as their savior. 
And God, right now, I pray that you would lead us and that you would guide us. And Father, I pray for those who are gathered in this place, those who are within the sound of my voice, who may have a piece of their lives, of their bodies, of how they're living, of what they're doing to this mortal body. God, I pray that those of us who are here, and whether it's a small piece or a large piece or a massive, huge piece, God, that we haven't completely turned over to you. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us right now to a place we can't help but say, here it is, here it is, here's this, here's this peace that I've been so far unwilling to give to you. God, may you comfort us, may you help us, may you give us wisdom, may your Holy Spirit lead us in those things that your word promises. But God, I pray that each one of us in this place would today be open to your leading and your guiding in our lives as we talk about this subject today. God, may you be pleased with what happens in this place. May I step out of the way. and God, may you speak. May your Holy Spirit reveal what you want to reveal in my life and in the lives of those who are here today. And we give you this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. The uh, first part of each year is the year where everybody dedicates themselves to healthy living and exercise, and I'm sure gyms love January. I, they love January. I'm sure that their uh, membership goes to the roof in January. Um, I, I've always worked a little bit against the curve, and so in March of this year, uh, I found myself on a journey to kind of uh, find out how to be a little more healthy, and one of the things that I realize is when it comes to health, um, I struggle with food. Uh, I struggle with food, man. I, well, let's be honest. I've, I struggle with food, and I don't like to exercise. <laughs> it's church. I, I really can't just say it's just food. But it's food in particular, right? I grew up in a house of, um, we loved snacking, and like we just, that was what we, like professional snackers. The Cullens are professional snackers, right? Um, not in my house now, but the house I grew up in. Um, man, I, I, I love to snack. And I got a sweet tooth, and you know, one of my favorite things is uh, chocolate chip cookies, big, tall glass of milk. With, you put the, you put the you know, glass in the freezer, right? Yeah, A any of you with me on that? Chocolate chip cookies and milk, man, I love that. But um, my, one of my favorite things in life is um, Lay's Ruffles potato chips. Ah, I'm so glad I'm not the only one. Ah, man, I love those things. Well, back in the 60s and 70s, way before my time, uh, back in the 60s and 70s, Lay's Ruffles Potato Chips had a, a slogan, kind of a, a clever marketing campaign. It was, uh, bet you can't eat just one. And uh, that didn't make much sense to me until I was in high school one day, and I came home from work, and uh, I, I came home, and uh, my mom and my sister and my dad were gone, and I was going out with some friends, and I was tired from work, and I came home, and I popped open a bag, one of the big bags of um, those Lay's Ruffles potato chips, and I started eating. I think I probably had a Coke, because when you're 16, who cares, right? I mean, it just, you know, it doesn't matter then. It matters now. But anyway, so... I, uh, I did that, and um, after a little while, I realized um, that brand new fresh bag that I had just popped open was empty. <laughs> it was empty, and uh, professional snackers, I told you. And, I, like, I realized that that motto is true, and I thought it was, bet you can't just eat one bag. 
Uh, but I think it meant chip. Uh, I, man, it's a struggle. It's a struggle for me. And I know that some of you who are here today um, are, are thinking about maybe the, the struggle that you have in life, the, the, the moment that you have a, a, an urge and you act on the urge. I mean, my goodness, I was 16. I ate a whole bag of Ruffles Lay's potato chips. That's nuts, Lay's Ruffles potato chips. I, I can't believe that. But I bet that um, you're thinking of something in your life that maybe you've had an urge and you just in a moment or over a half an hour, which was about as long as it took me to eat that bag of potato chips, maybe over a period of time you gave into that urge and all of a sudden you look back and you're like, what have I just done? And when it comes to a bag of potato chips, yeah, it wasn't too healthy, but it wasn't probably detrimental. Maybe it would be detrimental now. But in the moment, it wouldn't be detrimental to my health. But sometimes when we give into those urges, those things, those desires, those things that we love about life, and when we give into them, sometimes the, the, the impact, the fallout is detrimental. But I realized um, with me and food that, that my urge and my desire for food and when I give in to that desire, it is really just kind of a snapshot of the rest of my life. Because left uncontrolled, we all give in to our urges. We all give in to our desires. Left uncontrolled. Left uncontrolled, that's, that's what we do. And it's especially true in those areas where we have particular weaknesses, where we have um, particular struggles, where we just, we just give in, we just we cave. You know, he's strong, 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 and you just cave. You just give in. That's part of the struggle of life, and I think it's why these companies have such great mottos and such great marketing campaigns is because they know that at some point in time we're just going to go, okay, fine, I'll eat the whole bag. But God also knew that we would struggle with this. And today we come to part four of our series that we've entitled, um, Did God Say That? We're looking at specific phrases that we hear in culture and we hear maybe from other Christians and we might hear wherever we hear it from. And, and somebody gives that, the credit to God. You know, the Bible says this. And so we're looking at these phrases, we're testing them. Um, to see if there's something that's true, that it might not have directly come from God, but the, the phrase might be true biblically, um, or it's completely not true, or maybe like we got the context wrong or we got the application wrong. And today we come to this phrase that I think kind of sets the stage for a lot of controversy in the church and in culture, and it's the phrase moderation in all things. Or in all things, moderation. And I'm just going to come right out of the gates and tell you that that phrase is not found in the Bible. That phrase is not in the Bible. And some of you might be like, what? I really thought that was somewhere in the Bible. Like one of those books, like in the Old Testament, that I don't know about. You know, one of those things that, you know, I just don't read a lot. It is not found in the Bible. In fact... The phrase, moderation in all things, comes from Aristotle's doctrine of the means. It's his ethic that, um, his ethic works around um, the idea of balance between excess and, and deficiency. Um, but I want you to think for a moment about this phrase. Then we're going to dive into what the Bible says. Moderation in all things. 
or in all things moderation. It's kind of a, kind of a duplicitous statement, isn't it? Think about it for a moment. Let's, let's say it the opposite way that I've said it. In all things, moderation. In all things, moderation. Think about it for a moment. In all things, moderation. Essentially, the phrase contradicts itself because it's suggesting that we can have, like, all things, but we have to have moderation. I kind of like the phrase, in all things, right? No moderation. Like, let's just have all things and leave the moderation off. But the, 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 the first part of that phrase, in all things, suggests something that is really found in the Bible. And in a few months, we're going to be um, walking through the, the book of Ecclesiastes over... Uh, uh, Ecclesiastes, Ephesians, my goodness. Uh, I cannot believe. I've been planning this for years, and I got the book wrong. I got the Testament wrong. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> we're going to be walking through the book of Ephesians, found in the New Testament, one of Paul's uh, letters that he wrote to a church in Ephesus. And in Paul's book, and in a lot of his writings in the New Testament, he talks about the shift in, in what happened when before Jesus came to what happens now because of his death and his resurrection. And he talks about the freedom that we have in Christ. And so we're going to be discovering that a little bit. So, um, you, you know, it's going to come up later this, this year. But, um, I, you know, I, I got thinking about this idea of freedom in our house. Um, Sydney is, um, has been going through the process of getting her driver's license, right? She's um, got her learner's permit now. And so she'll be getting her driver's license later this year. And, and I got thinking about a driver's license. You guys probably all have a driver's license. There's mine. Um, it, you know, it's uh, South Carolina driver's license. I'm not going to give you the number. Uh, but anyway, it's got my address, not giving you that either. But anyway, really not giving you my date of birth on there. Okay, so um, anyway, it's my driver's license. This identifies who I am. But in the state of South Carolina, and in fact all over the country, this gives me a what to drive? A license. There you go. You guys are awesome, man. License to drive. It wasn't that hard. All right, so this gives me the license to drive. And so I have with this little card, I have the ability to get in a car, and, and I have the ability to drive around, and, and I, I've got the ability to, you know, do really anything that I want within the law to be able to drive. And I got thinking about this idea of, um, of license in terms of what we can do and how God interacts with us in the stage that he set. And, and Paul mentions Several times in Scripture, he says once that everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. He, he t challenges us in Romans chapter 6 um, that we should not use our license to sin, right? He says don't use your license to sin so that grace may, may increase. And so we understand that there are some things that are permissible and some things that like, we do have freedoms that we can exercise with this in our cars that we won't get arrested for. But if I get in the car and I drive down 278 and I am done with vacation traffic, which I am, no offense to any of you who are here from a certain state that begins with an O. But <laughs> if I decide that I am heading out of town because I can't handle it anymore and I drive 110 miles an hour, which I don't even think my car goes up to, but let's say I do and I can, I will probably get arrested. And I, well, I definitely will get pulled over. I'll probably get arrested. And they will take this away because I used my license for something that is dangerous, 
to me, to our community, to the people I'm driving around, to all the people from that state who might be heading in that begins with an O. And I would have used it in a way that serves me, but it doesn't serve the people around me. And so there are some things that just, listen, I want you to hear this. There are some things in terms of how we live our lives, how we use this body that God has given us, that this idea of moderation in all things or in all things moderation, it just doesn't fit. I mean, we can't just say this and think we can get away with everything. Like murder, for instance. Like murder doesn't fit into the in moderation in all things, right? Are you, are you gathered? Like, think about the defense lawyer. Well, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I know that my client killed a person, but he didn't kill 10 or 100, and you know, all things in moderation. So, why can't you just let him go free? Like, there are some things in life this phrase just doesn't, it doesn't fit in. And so, this phrase is something that is biblical, but it's not biblical. It, 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 in some ways it is, in some ways it's not. In a way that it's not is, is that all things can't cover willful sin, criminal behavior. Listen, I want you to hear that this concept of all things is doing any, anything that you want with the license that you've been given. That is not justifiable, nor is it endorsed by God at all. The concept of all things, complete freedom, without any rules, is not something that God is pleased by. But it is true in that, that God's goal for us is to live healthy, righteous, godly lives so that our lives have the full ability to glorify Him. The phrase moderation in all things has the idea that maybe anything is permissible as long as that it's not in excess. Or maybe the idea that we have to have a balance in our lives in every way. It's flawed in a few ways. There are some simple actions and behavior that just aren't permissible. God does not intend for us to be balanced in our commitment to him, by the, by the way. That's a whole message on itself. And, and I want you to hear the other reason it's flawed. It is flawed in that we cannot be balanced people without the working of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. We just cannot accomplish that. And so today, I want to consider what moderation means God's way. And three things I want to point out today. First of all, I know, I know, I know what you're thinking when I say the word moderation. And let's just be honest this morning. Can we just be honest? What are you all thinking when I say the word moderation? You're thinking drinking, am I right? You're thinking about alcohol. It just got real tense in the room, didn't it? Like I heard the tension. It doesn't need to be tense. We'll, we'll talk about that in October, November specifically. But that's what we think, right? Moderation in all things. Like this applies to drinking and consumption of alcohol probably more than anything else in life. And we're going to dive into that when, when we hit Ephesians because there's a verse that we're going to end with today that talks specifically about that. But I want to use that as an example today because the concept behind, um, you know, I, like if, if God gives us freedom and, and that freedom means that I can have a drink, then how much can I have? And see, we ask that in life when, we, when it comes to this idea of moderation, don't we? When we receive this license, we begin to ask the question, how fast can I go? 
How much can I drink? How far can I stray? Students, don't tell me you've thought about that. How far can I go away from my parents and their rules and still get away with it? How much can I eat? How much flirting with that person who's married can I do and get away with it? And listen, here's what we do, Christ follower, when we do this, I do it, I do it too. We ask the question in a way that tests how far we can stretch the license that God has given us spiritually. And I want to submit to you today that when we ask the question moderation, when moderation in our minds centers around how far we can go, how fast we can go, how much can we have, I think when we ask those questions because we want to satisfy our own desires, we're asking the wrong question and we're really asking it for the wrong reason. You see, we shouldn't be focused on this idea of biblical or godly moderation from the standpoint of how much can I do. I think we as God's people need to flip the script on this issue. We need to ask the question about moderation, not because we want to see how far we can run with our freedom, but how best we can use our bodies and our lives with the freedom that God has given us. And specifically all throughout scripture, when we read about the concept of moderation, it has to do with our bodies, our physical bodies, and how we treat our physical bodies. And I want you to hear today that there is a connection. Church, there is a connection between how we treat our physical bodies and the spiritual relationship that we have with God. And there are three things I want to point out today. Number one, as, Christ, as a Christ follower, I am responsible to dedicate my body to God. As a Christ follower, I'm responsible to dedicate my body to God. Now, that statement in and of itself is difficult for me because there have been times in my life, in my life where I have definitely not dedicated my body to God. And it's just the facts. It's just the way that it is. But I want you to hear what God has to say about this. In Romans 12, there's this same guy that wrote about our having freedom and having a license. Paul says this in Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a, what's that next phrase? Living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Go back to that verse 1. When he says they're living sacrifices, that's him flipping the script from the Old Testament to the New Testament. See, the reader back then would have understood the idea of, of an animal sacrifice. It was part of the whole concept of the forgiveness of sin and covering of sin. And what he's saying to the church back then and what he's saying to us now is that no longer is animal sacrifice needed. Jesus did that on the cross. But we are living sacrifices. We, our bodies, are the worship. 
how we treat this physical body is our service of worship or our act of worship. Going back to Romans 6, a few chapters back, 12 and 13, it says this, Let not sin, therefore, what's that next word? Reign. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Romans 8, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, because of that great act, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh. That, that's talking about our desires, our urges, our wants, not living according to that, not living according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will, what's that next word? Die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. 1 John 2, 15 and 16 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride in possessions is not from the Father but it's from the world. Listen, God wants us to use our bodies, but that is at war with our own desire, isn't it, church? Isn't it? We just have to be honest and truthful about it. God's desire for us and our desires for us are diametrically opposed. And that's why so many of us, that's why so many of you, that's why when I'm going through periods of time when, when this is at war and I'm giving in more to the flesh than to God, that's why we are struggling so much in our lives is because of the results of us giving in to ourselves. As a Christ follower, I'm responsible to dedicate my body to God. At the center of the war between what God desires and what we want is this idea of control. And it, that's the second point today. Dedicating my body to God means exercising self-control over my body. Look, I wish it weren't that way. <laughs> I, just, I do. I wish it weren't that way. But when you consider moderation as the Bible lays out moderation, this is what it's talking about. Dedicating my body to God means exercising self-control over my body. All the way back in the Old Testament in Proverbs 25, 28, we read this from the writer. Solomon said, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. <laughs> if any of you have lived in New York, you probably heard the story about last night they had a blackout in New York, in New York City. And where they had the blackout was really close to the neighborhood that um, Cynthia and I used to live in. And um, I had the picture in my mind of the blackout from the 1970s, some of you may remember that, where like the lights went out, the walls metaphorically went down in the city, <laughs> and everybody did what they wanted to, right? <laughs> because the walls were down. It's very similar with self-control. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. 1 Corinthians 9 says this, Do you not know that in a race 
All the runners run. By the way, this is probably the passage that most closely resembles moderation in all things. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? If any of you are like, you know, my kid didn't get a prize for 15th place. He didn't get a trophy. And the Bible says he doesn't deserve one. But anyway, I'm just saying, all right, so (laughs) take that up with God. (laughs) So run, he says, so that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control. Self-control in all things. That's where that comes from. Self-control in all things. Verse 25. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. That was the prize, was a wreath back then. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. It's a funny image, isn't it? But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. That's a message for guys like me, pastors and Justin and others. So um, that's a tough one. And, oh yeah, parents, by the way, because we preached our kids, right? So the whole concept here is that there is a biblical idea of moderation. But it has to do with how we treat this. It has to do with the control that we exercise over this. And, and I want to say this as we lead up to, the, to this last point today. Is, is that we on our own, even the most disciplined among you, we on our own as Christ followers, we will fall and we will fail at some point in time in terms of controlling our mortal bodies. And I think that's the whole point of today. That's the whole point of trying to flip the script on this idea of what the world says about moderation and what God says about moderation That's my last point. Exercising self-control over my body only happens when I'm completely controlled by God's Holy Spirit. It is only when we are on our knees. It's only when I'm on my knees submitting my life, my body, My ways, my wants, my desires, my urges, submitting that fully to God's Holy Spirit that I have any chance of bringing this under control. And we all have those weak areas. We all have those desires that are particularly heightened with us. We all have that area that are a little bit different, but I'll tell you that we can begin to flip the script on that when we fully submit ourselves to God's Holy Spirit. We see the Spirit coming in Acts 1, verse 8. The people in the church, the people who made up the first church, they would a chapter later. Uh, you, you will receive power, verse, um, chapter 1, verse 8, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then in chapter 2, just a, a, a chapter later, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they, all of these Christ followers, were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided um, tongues as 
uh, as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. That is a church service, man. I'm telling you, that is a, that's amazing. Okay, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so we see God giving the Holy Spirit to us as Christians in the New Testament age. But listen, for each one of you, I want you to hear this. When you accepted Christ as your Savior, you became the dwelling place of God's Holy Spirit. And you have access to one who can provide control, moderation, temperance, whatever the word is that you want to use in terms of this war between what God wants for your life and what you want for your life. We can bring ourselves under his control because he's right there. We can access him at any time. Paul's talking to these Ephesians and he kind of connects the dots with them in Ephesians 5.18. And we'll come back to this later in the fall. But he says this, and I want to end with this. He says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, when we read this verse in the church, since prohibition in America, in this Western church, we've read that. And we've concluded that drinking is a sin. And here's my problem with that concept. My problem with reading this, and I hesitate even saying that because I know some of you are like, hey, Todd says drinking's fine. I am not saying drinking's fine, all right? That's not what I'm saying at all. But we focus so much on the first part of that verse, and we never really focus on that last phrase, but, I want you to say it with me, be filled with the Spirit. You see, Paul here is not laying down yet another law. In fact, Paul spends most of his work telling the church what they have freedom from and what they have freedom to do. The behavior that they now have in Christ but he also gives them guardrails in terms of how they should use that license that God has given them for their good and for his glory. And Christ follower, I want to challenge you today that you have access because you have been filled with God's Holy Spirit. You have access to bring whatever it is that you are struggling with that is out of control in your life. You have access to the Spirit of God who can bring that into submission. So do I. And so we can be people who aren't defeated in this area because His power lives in us. It's time to stop just talking about the fact that we're filled with the Holy Spirit and thinking of the theology of that. And it's time, church, to stop like knowing that his Holy Spirit indwells us. It's time to just stop like, you know, saying, hey, yeah, it's kind of part of my life. It's in the background. And it's time for us to bring every selfish desire and urge under his control. That's what moderation, God's way, is. It's being controlled by his Holy Spirit.
And if you're here today and you are a Christ follower and you have an area of your life, maybe when we were, we were singing there and, and praying, maybe God kind of identified an area of your life that you haven't totally given over to him. I, I, w- I want you to consider that maybe some of the areas that you're struggling kind of comes back to that one area. It usually does. That's usually the pattern. And maybe today is the day that you give that over to him and trust him with that and begin to be controlled by his spirit, by the spirit of God. And then you can say, moderation, God's way in every area of my life, in all of my life. Imagine, church, what he can do with you. Imagine what he can do with us collectively if we all live completely submitted to his spirit, his leading, his control in our lives. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much that when you left this earth and died on the cross and three days later you rose again from the dead, I am so thankful that you didn't leave us without a governor. You didn't leave us to figure it out all by ourselves. You didn't leave us as people just kind of wandering in the desert without any control. You gave us your Holy Spirit. And right now, I, God, I just confess in my own life that I don't often enough submit myself to your leading, your Spirit's leading. God, when it comes to this idea of moderation, yes, your word says that we should be like that runner. and We should have moderation. But that's impossible for me without you in my life. And God, I pray that you would help each one of us who are gathered in this room, who are Christ followers, and we have an area of our life where we keep just kind of hitting the wall. We, we keep um, running up against a challenge. And God, if we really were honest with ourselves, we would make the connection that maybe it's that area of our lives that we haven't fully submitted control over to you. God, help us to be brave enough, to be strong enough, to ask for your help, to ask for your leading and your guiding. God, we understand the heaviness of, of, and the weight of the responsibility that we have to control our bodies and our lives and our choices and our behavior. God, you've given us freedom from all of the consequences of that and so much more, but we understand that that our job is is to, to give you pleasure with the way we live our lives, not to squander and stretch our freedom as much as we can. And God, I pray that you would just help us, each one of us in this place, who call ourselves Christ followers, to just submit, to open our hands, to open our arms, and just to ask for your help, your guidance, your leading. God, may we do that in those quiet moments, in the moments where life becomes difficult, in the moments where we have the greatest challenge. And God, I pray that we would do it in every moment, in every day, that we would constantly walk in step with your leading and your spirit in our lives, understanding that that's moderation your way. That's how you want us to live. Thank you so much for your Holy Spirit, your leading. May we follow. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.